We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. I'm Cheryl Broderson, and usually I'm in studio with Jasmine Allnut, but she's in route. Um, she's helping some people move and get adjusted, and I miss her desperately because those of you who listen, you know how much energy she brings to this program, and we just have a, I think we have a great chemistry. She's young enough to be my daughter, but oh, I just love her, and the relationship that God has given us is such a blessing, but I do have the privilege of being in studio with Lisa Collins and we can't always get in touch with Lisa because she is hither thither and yawn kind of like Philip in the spirit of the Lord kind of you know picking her up and having her speak to an Ethiopian and then um, catching her away and you'll find her down on the Gaza Strip <laughs> so we're really excited to have you Lisa to Thank have this you. opportunity and Jasmine was like don't miss this opportunity even if I can't be there so Lisa thank you again um, last week we talked a little bit about about your upbringing, which was not Christian. In fact, you even shared that your father was an alcoholic. When you first really began to explore Christianity, you became disillusioned uh, pretty quickly, yes. mainly because you would come to it with, I want more blessings, you know, with what Definitely. can I get out of this rather than what is God's will for my life? And I, that's so typical. But then as you begin to explore it, you begin to uh, grow and see who Jesus really is is, then you wanted to give your whole life to him and tell others. And that's what led you into these mission trips. And this is when the call became so specific to go to Hungary. Mm -hmm. Now, I need to know this. I know your missions pastor is saying, we think you're supposed to go to Hungary. Did you know anyone in Hungary at that time? No, I didn't know what Hungary was like. I was raised in Michigan, but now for the last 12 years, I've lived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I love the heat, the sunshine. I didn't know even the the landscape and the temperature there. When I went to Hungary, the first trip, I took two suitcases, Mm -hmm. and I'm moving there. I mean, I think about it later as a person that helps um, students and and adults navigate where they're going to go on mission, and you would always say, go visit a place Mm -hmm. or, you know, see see if you're comfortable there the plane landed down I looked around and it looked just like Michigan oh, where wow. it snows yes. a ton yes. it has a harsh harsh winter and I thought oh no what have I done? Yes. <laughs> so who picked you up from the airport so how it worked initially is I the missions pastor he was so wise he said when you fly to Hungary you can land in Austria mm. and there is a castle in Austria that okay. Calvary Chapel owns and there's a mission conference every year and you can meet all the missionaries throughout Europe and I was there for about five days and then um, we got into a van Mm-hmm. And as we pulled into Hungary, I'm like, wait a minute, this looks just like Michigan. So I think that's where I met you then at that missions conference yes. for the first time. 2003 mm-hmm. in August. Mm-hmm. So it was that missions conference. So it's so interesting in retrospect how you see the hand of the Lord, you know, just introducing you to those different missionaries in those different places, because that's going to be that became part of your ministry. So how was the adjustment in Hungary. How was that? It was interesting. I had a three-bedroom, two-bath house in Florida with, mm-hmm. on a lake with my cat, and I had lived in that house for quite a few years by myself, and I, I loved it. I ran mm-hmm. my business out of the home, and I just said, um, 
okay, Lord, when I get to Hungary, they wouldn't tell me where I'd be living, but I knew there was dorms and a lot of people. I just wanted one tiny little room by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very outgoing as far as chit-chatting with people, but I'm very introverted. I love to refresh Mm -hmm. by myself. So I landed in Austria, and I asked for my room in Austria, and they said, you're in room 21. And I walked in, and there was 21 girls. Oh, my. And they showed me my cot on the floor, like a mattress that I was the last person to arrive, and there was a mattress on the floor. And um, the funniest story, a girl had a nightmare that night, and I'm Mm jet-lagged, and she wakes up in the middle of the night screaming in the dark, and she's like, the bed is crushing me! The bed is crushing me! And I'm like, oh, like delirious, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I grabbed the under bunk to see maybe it fell on her, and... Nothing. She's just uh-huh. having a nightmare. She rolls out from the underbunk and she sits up and she goes, oh, that happens sometimes. Oh, my. And I was, like, <laughs> laughing. So I, I've seen her and she's still in the mission field. So whenever uh-huh. she sees me at a conference, she's like, the bat is crushing me. And I, But the funny thing is you're thinking I went from this, like, docile lifestyle right, to right. the very first night living with all these gals. And then I got to Hungary, and the room was so tiny that they put me in. We arrived at 11 o'clock at night. It was about an eight-hour van ride Mm -hmm. uh, five days later. And uh, they took me up three stories into the Maranatha building at the where the Bible college um, had a secondary housing. And um, Doug, uh, he knocks on the door like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm thinking, oh, no, they're sleeping. It's 11 at night. The door opens in the dark. I don't see anybody. Just the door Mm -hmm. opens. And um, I think, oh, well, there's no lights on. Then they just went back to bed. They were probably jet lagged. Mm -hmm. She was a new missionary. I snuck into the bottom bunk and just laid quiet and went to bed. There was, it was like, um, you know, exaggerating 200 degrees. It was on the third floor and it was so hot and there's no air conditioning. And all the mosquitoes and things, there's no screens. Yes. And I'm like a Florida girl with air conditioning and all the And I said, Lord, you've brought me here to die. Yes. You know, and the lights came on in the morning. And um, the room was so tiny, we couldn't bring our suitcases in. Oh, my we goodness. We couldn't fit with the beds. Right. And they gave us that room for about a week. Mm-hmm. And then um, Paul Lang, you know, Pastor mm-hmm. uh, Paul Lang, he came and he said, ladies, I have another room. But if I move you, you're not moving again. You mm-hmm. know, like as if we'd complained. But the Lord had told us in devotion, do not ask to be taken to the higher seat. You know, the right, verses. Right, right, And so we said, okay, you know. Let's see the new room. And it was like five times bigger with a little kitchenette, a thing. And he goes, well, do you like it? It's kind of a loud room. And we were like, oh, yes, it'll do. You know, <laughs> it was like we were so thrilled. Yes. And it gave me such contentment. It's interesting with the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, had I went there first right. from my right. from my big house in Florida, right. I probably would have thought it's small. Right. But since I saw the first tiny 10 by 10, I was like, oh, this is glorious. And I live there for like seven years in Mm -hmm. that room with a roommate. (laughs) So now how did your like ministry kind of develop? Because you're there. Did you wonder like, what am I supposed to do here? I mean, you don't speak the language. And we know that um, the campus for those who are listening that you went to is in a place called Vita, which is what? You're three hours from two hours outside Budapest. Budapest. Two hours away from Budapest. And it's a very, um, what do I want to say, kind of rural. Uh, I remember going there and there was a man on a cart. Horses and buggies. Horses and buggies. I mean. Bicycles. You, you thought Michigan was where you were. Sheep. Yeah, it was small. More sheep than people. Yes. Yeah. But that area of Vida is just almost desolate. Yeah. 
you're in the most rural area and here's like 15 countries of people of students and these poor hungarian grandmas they're they pump their water at the <laughs> water pump at the roads and they're just looking on like what is happening to our community but mm-hmm. we i went there and i was a school teacher for the children oh, the pastor's okay. kids for yes. one year I was an assistant teacher, and I enjoyed it, but Mm -hmm. I I thought maybe the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't think they got right my resume, Mm -hmm. because back in Fort Lauderdale, I was teaching 200 young adults, and I was Mm -hmm. teaching women's conferences, and little, I was a new believer, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe five or six years, but I had all these big opportunities at a big church, and I had five students, Mm -hmm. and they were, I was teaching them, you know, Bible and some science and Mm -hmm. things. And I thought, I'm not qualified for this, and it's just not what I expected. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said, yes, they got your resume. I got Mm -hmm. your resume. Mm -hmm. And it was really humbling to realize, like, you know, and the Lord said, if there was one, Mm -hmm. it's it's more than, you know, you're my hands and feet, and if there's one, that, that should be a joy and a blessing to you. So I did that for a year. I didn't want to do it the second year. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you feel like, okay, did this, but what's next? And the pastors came to me, and I was very surprised. They said, would you like to stay on as a missions and outreach um, coordinator Wow, and um, assist the director? And I Mm -hmm. thought, really? Like, how Mm -hmm. do you know I'm here? Because Mm -hmm. I'm with these little children in the back Mm -hmm. corner um, in a side room. Mm -hmm. And it changed the trajectory of my ministry and mission. So Mm -hmm. um, it was um, during the new role I got to do is mobilize all of the Bible college students to the surrounding seven countries and beyond to Mm -hmm. India and Africa and, you know, the Middle East. So it was really a joy. I know you went to so many countries and you were taking teams. Like you had gone on a team and now you're organizing and doing that. So, I mean, this this goes with your background too, because you're having to call, make arrangements for everyone to stay and where you're going to stay. What size were the teams? The first trip I coordinated, when I went on my first mission trip um, to London in 1999, mm-hmm. that was coordinated from my home church, Fort Lauderdale. I watched the girl coordinate the trip from a, a distance and I thought I would love to do that with my life. Oh, So now it is, Mm -hmm. you know, years later, they asked me to do my first mission trip to Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. I'd never done anything like it. So um, I I reserved the plane tickets for, I think it was 12 of us, and it was like, say, $15,000 that you have to put on the credit card. Oh, wow. And now I'm panicking. Mm -hmm. Anxiety. I'm asking Mm -hmm. my roommate, please, do I have the right dates? What Mm -hmm. if I have the wrong year? It's Mm -hmm. non-refundable. And all of a sudden I realized, like, Oftentimes when we say, oh, I'd love to do that, it's Mm -hmm. like, what? This Mm -hmm. is crazy responsibility. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a team of 12 that I bought those tickets to Ethiopia. And that was my first, like, Mm -hmm. African trip from Hungary. And one of the things I like, and this is probably your, your background again, is that, you know, we can follow you. How would someone follow up? Because you take these amazing trips, and I know you document them with pictures, and you're so good because I'm not uh, a very techie person. So I always, when you send me the email, that's how I find out what you're doing and what you're up to. But how could somebody follow that or even see? I, I think the easiest is on my email, mm-hmm. which you can also find on Facebook. But So if you put it in Facebook, it finds my profile. Um, and just send a message of who you are. Because sometimes I get strangers and I don't click it because I'm not sure who, you know, I don't yes. have to see any friends associated. Just say, hey, I heard you on Cheryl's program. And it's Lisa Collins, mm-hmm. C-O-L-L-I-N-S, Lisa Collins at calvarychapel.com. 
or send an email to me and say, hey, I heard you on the program, and I'd mm-hmm. love to get your All newsletter updates. Women worth yeah. knowing. Yes. Lisa Collins at CalvaryChapel.com. Okay, because they're amazing. How many trips would you say you've been on now? Let's see. With the Bible College, we would do almost a trip a weekend. Wow. Because it's surrounded by you know, yeah, right. seven countries in, right. in, in our year in Serbia mm-hmm. or Croatia or two hours you're in Romania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we would do trips almost every weekend. So let's say if we did a weekend trip, let's say 15 weekends in a semester, let's say seven, wow. seven trips, right? And then we, every semester we did 10 day trips. Mm-hmm. The entire school went on maybe five or six 10 day trips to different countries, mm. sometimes in Hungary, the surrounding countries, or we would go to England or Africa or Germany mm-hmm. or, you know, farther countries. So I would say, what is that seven, seven uh, trips of weekends, a 10-day trip, and doing that um, twice a year? That's 14 trips, and then we did a Vision for Life. Mm-hmm. And the Vision for Life is a six-week summer program with the Calvary Chapel Bible College Europe, and in that we would go to about three to five countries. So it was just, um, it just seemed so normal, I think, because when you drive from here to L.A., from mm-hmm. Costa Mesa, what is that, uh, two, you know, an hour to mm-hmm. three hours, depending on traffic, you could be in another country mm-hmm. in, in Hungary. So it just seemed natural to mm-hmm. kind of be jumping, jumping around to these different nations. Now, I know that when you would take these trips, that you would see how it would affect the team, different members of the team. Team. And so, um, but I know that also you are going there to bless the country or the people in the country that you're going to. But I want you to speak just a little bit to some of the changes you saw in those who actually went on mission with you. We would um, do equipping before as part of the curriculum. And I think you all do too when you take even a team to. Um, Greece, or Mm -hmm. you try to kind of educate them a little bit of cross-cultural. So we would say, when you go, right, Mm -hmm. be a student. Mm -hmm. Be a student and be a guest. And we would give the example, like, how is it when somebody walks in your house, a different guest, and they say, wow, your house is amazing. You Mm -hmm. know, you're amazing. Wow, thanks for having us. Or if somebody walks in your house and they kind of have that face and Mm -hmm. wrinkle their nose and they're like, Mm -hmm. ooh, Mm -hmm. what is this you're feeding me? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you feel? And so kind of giving them, um, when you go to Africa or even um, Ukraine, they have toilets that are in the floor. Mm-hmm. And you stand above it and you go, well, all the students would see these in the homes and they would go in and taking photos and pretending and they would be laughing and rolling and we would share with them like, can you imagine somebody did that in your home when in your bathroom it was like mm-hmm. mocking you because this is really good to them, you know, mm-hmm. their bathroom. We would um, equip them to say, go and be a student, ask mm-hmm. questions and learn because mm-hmm. it's a different culture and a different, you have so much to glean from them mm-hmm. and be a guest, the best guest that we can be that they won't want to just, oh, let me drive you to the airport to leave, mm-hmm. that they would always want to welcome you back and um, to be a servant mm-hmm. and to go there. And we would tease them like when they say, no, no, you don't have to do the dishes or no, no, we'll get the garbage. Mm-hmm. That nobody ever means that. They they mean really, please do the dishes. And mm-hmm. so we would always want to serve and bless people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is um, a transformation takes place. I've gone to places like... Um, in a rural area of Africa, they're living in mud huts. Mm. And you could look at it like, oh, this is so 
so backwards or mm-hmm. so this. And they will teach me something they're doing. They're cooking in a cardboard box covered with aluminum foil. Mm. And they're making dinner. Mm. And they open it up and there's this hot fresh bread and there's hot mm. Mickey from the sun. And I'm thinking, this is genius. Mm-hmm. Like, how in the world? Mm. Like, so oftentimes um, when I'll initially mm-hmm. criticize something because of my cultural bias, my thinking, we know how to do it best. Mm-hmm. I think this is so much better mm-hmm. than the way that I've done it. And I so appreciate you've taken the time to teach us. So mm. I think it, we learn to to go in with curious questions and mm-hmm. to... Mm-hmm. Did you see any, like, one particular person just really transformed by these trips? I mean, you don't have to say a name, but do you remember just, like, someone who were like, oh, great, I got a live one, and then just watched how traveling and ministering to others just changed them? One particular, it was before I went to Hungary, actually, they did a training for us, mm-hmm. and they sent us to Orlando, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's yeah. not the hardest place in the world but it was in the woods and I was with a gal and her husband and we were staying in this little thing and they taught us how to grow things and have rabbits and how the rabbits go to bathroom and then that fertilizes the plants and if you need clean water you put water in a barrel with sand and then you it'll purify the water the sand will if if it sits in the sand for several days and we learned some practicals mm-hmm. right well the gal that was on that trip with me with her husband she was freaked out mm-hmm. she just said this is uh, just terrible like mm-hmm. it's so in the woods and these mm-hmm. cabins are gross and everything mm-hmm. you know she's freaking mm-hmm. out bugs she hated mm-hmm. bugs and she and her husband when i went to hungary she went to kenya mm. and she They've still lived in Kenya. The years that I've been in Hungary, they live in the most um, low-level townships. They've raised their children, birth children there. I always thought I would want to live in a mud hut. Right. But this might be for a week, Mm -hmm. you know? And she's lived in this situation, and I just think by the grace of God Mm -hmm. that she and her husband, and they've um, trained up hundreds and hundreds yearly Kenyan missionaries that have become church planters. And I think, Mm -hmm. Lord, it's incredible that by the Spirit of God, Mm -hmm. you put a calling in people's hearts and they'll lay down their lives for you and do it with joy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what what trip stands out to you the most of the ones that you took um, while you were in Hungary? Wow, there's been so many. There's such a variety of trips. I think when I've gone to trips like Uganda or Mm -hmm. Ethiopia, Um, I loved the hospitality of the culture, the kindness and the openness to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then when we've gone to trips, say like India, that those that were coming from a Hindu background Mm -hmm. that were worshipers of everything was a God and hundreds and Mm -hmm. hundreds of gods that they worship became believers Mm -hmm. that I saw the passion of people on their face, on their knees, Mm. worshiping the true and living God, Mm -hmm. that that was very challenging. Mm -hmm. And I think that so many of the trips, I've seen so many miracles of healings and and people being saved and the Lord touching and transforming lives through prayer, through his word, through ministry. I just think that they're each, they have their own flavor. Mm -hmm. And I think that each one, there's these takeaways that you go like the, I went on a trip to London and I said, today's your day, Lord. What do you want to do? And I think he just wants to reveal himself so powerfully to us as a father that it's exciting because Mm -hmm. you don't know. Today, are we going to pray that the bus, and the bus breaks down Mm -hmm. and we're going to pray God fixes it Mm -hmm. and we see it start and the driver's Mm -hmm. like, what? This isn't possible. Mm -hmm. And there's not enough food. 
and mm-hmm. you pray, and God multiplies the food and feeds all the people, mm-hmm. and um, so many miracles. So it's so hard to, yeah. I think it's kind of like that journey with the Lord that if we're in the States, if we're in Europe or Africa or Asia, that God wants to reveal himself to us and the people around us through his glory, for mm-hmm. his glory. Do you ever, um, because the Lord has done so much, do you ever look at your photos and go, oh, I forgot he did that, and I forgot he did that? Oh, so much. With Facebook, the uh, Facebook memories, Mm -hmm. they pop up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that was incredible. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. So I'm super grateful for uh, social media to have those things in a library kind of there. I love that, too. Okay, now, what happened, too, though, is I know that you um, moved from Vita and you went to the Bible College, moved to Budapest. You moved to Budapest also. But then, because of the civil wars going on in Syria, there were quite a few refugees. Yeah, 2015. Um, during the refugee crisis, um, I didn't even know there was a refugee. I didn't know much about mm-hmm. any of that in the refugee crisis. Um, but all of a sudden, where Hungary bordered, we were the first country of Europe that um, mm-hmm. refugees could come. So all of a sudden, there was 4,000, 6,000, 10,000 refugees a day wow. coming out of these war-torn and persecuted countries. Wow. Walking on foot. Oh. With um, They said, I asked the refugee, how do you pack for escaping a country? And they mm-hmm. said, you grab a backpack, put an extra pair of shoes and an extra pair of jeans, bring your passport and your camera and a Ziploc bag because you're going to go across the, the waters and you'll have something to put your mm. phone in because it's your only communication with a map. Wow. And they would walk 2,000 kilometers into wow. our country. Wow. And so it was all new to me. I would prayed um, when mm-hmm. I got saved to reach the unreached people. Mm-hmm. of the 1040 window of the right. Middle East. And I had never gone. And all of a sudden, the Middle East came to me. And it was um, it was phenomenal. I mm-hmm. met grandmas and children and women um, with their husbands, uh, a lot, a lot of teenagers mm-hmm. that were their parents asked them to escape out of those war-torn countries for safety. Mm-hmm. And we got to share the gospel. They mm-hmm. never held a Bible. They, mm-hmm. in their countries, it's, they've said, they've held up Bibles and they said, this book is so powerful that our governments have made it illegal. Wow. And it really convicted wow. me as a believer. I'm thinking wow. I have 10 Bibles mm-hmm. on all different shelves mm-hmm. and they understand the power of the word of God to transform a nation. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too, because they understand how powerful it is because it's illegal. Not because yes. it's um, legal and it's the you know number one bestseller, totally. But because you're not allowed to have it, they know yeah. that their government recognizes something powerful in it. That is Isn't astounding. That incredible? Yes, and so they came. Their hearts were open um, to hear the gospel. They'd never heard of grace. They had never, even when I would have um, Iranian mm-hmm. uh, Persian translators speaking to the Afghans and the Iranians they would have to talk among themselves as the translators mm-hmm. to figure out what do we say for the word grace. Wow. Explain it to us because wow. we don't know what this means. Wow. And also forgiveness wow. is not a concept that um, is easily understood because you wow. always hold a grudge. You mm-hmm. always keep record of wrong. Mm. And so to be fully forgiven and washed clean, that it will be thrown as far as east as to west your sins, that was like I can be free from the shame mm. and the guilt of my sins. So they were very, very drawn to to the reality and a relationship with a loving father mm-hmm. was also completely opposed to their Muslim 
um, culture. But, you know, I you were sharing, I think it was yesterday, um, at the conference that we've been attending, that there was also a danger involved in sharing with these refugees. Uh, share a little bit about your experience, the dangerous experience. Yeah. Um, I hadn't understood, I'd heard that there can be um, violence in Muslim countries, that they can stone people and things like that. I never experienced any of Mm -hmm. that because as they came to Europe, they were so thrilled to be in the freedom of a place that they weren't being persecuted. Mm -hmm. But as months and years went on and there were still people coming, there was one incident of um, Pakistanis, um, mostly young adults and um, uh, men, and they said, to the translator that was with me, um, in our country, we would stone her to death if she shared the gospel mm-hmm. with us, if she speaks about Jesus, and if she proselytizes to us. Mm-hmm. And um, the pastor, who was a Christian, he was Pakistani background, he's a mm-hmm. Calvary Chapel in England, he had flown to Serbia to do the ministry with me, he turned to me and he said, in their country, it's a sin mm-hmm. to hear about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they do not want to dishonor Allah. Mm-hmm. And so that is their motivation for wanting to stone somebody. And I thought it made me for the first time understand that they're really in a twisted way. They're trying to honor God. Mm-hmm. And so now I can come bring the truth of the gospel mm-hmm. and of the loving father and of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I did have opportunity. They went from mm-hmm. this don't tell us about Jesus to, I said to them, um, may I give you some facts. I said, I'm not trying to convert you. Mm-hmm. I said, but now that you're in Europe, mm-hmm. we have freedom to be Christians, non-believers, or Muslims. You have freedom and you are free to, to believe um, any religion now that you're in Europe. But many people are Christians. And I said, would it be okay if I informed you? Mm-hmm. for your own education, mm-hmm. what Christians believe so that you'll understand. And then when you have your debates and things, you'll be able to give a better case for Muslim. <laughs> and they said, of course, we would appreciate that you would look out for us. Because mm-hmm. I said, you wouldn't want, I said, I actually said to them, if I went to Pakistan and I mm-hmm. didn't know anything about Allah or your Muslim religion or any of your holidays, mm-hmm. would how would you feel about that? They said, that would be... That would be ignorance on my part and very disrespectful. And I said, would it be okay if I informed you Mm -hmm. about what Christians believe, just so you'll understand now that you're in Christian nations? And they said, okay. Mm -hmm. And so it was just all about presentation of, yeah, not wanting to humiliate them or Mm -hmm. to corner them into something that was uncomfortable. But that's one of those things, too, where the Lord gave you the wisdom at the time, which I'm sure you experienced that. Uh, quite a bit because these outreach trips are evangelistic and then they're also ways to uh, you go in to help ministries too I know you helped build a was it an orphanage in uh, Ethiopia mm-hmm. we um, a lot of times our students have a heart to to do church planting or in that case when we went to Ethiopia Argo who was just at this conference he was on that first trip he was Ethiopian mm-hmm. he went back with us and he said this is my heart my passion is to return to Ethiopia and now he's been there 15 years wow I'm doing that but we went in and how we did it in his case he said let's pray 
mm-hmm. as an Ethiopian man. And then he said, let's connect with the orphanages here and be educated by those that are successful, mm. taking great care of the children. And I think that's what we've done is connect into um, Calvary Chapel and Bible teaching churches to come and support their ministry. And oftentimes the students on those trips they see what's happening in those countries and they end up being full-time missionaries there. Mm-hmm. So now I know that the Bible College is moving from Hungary right now to uh, Georgia, mm-hmm. the nation, not the state. Yes. And so that's a big move. And you're kind of in transition right now. Uh, yes. I know right now you're in Hawaii because everything's closed down mm-hmm. until there's some reprieve from COVID. Yes. And, but you're still continuing to minister even where you are. Totally. In November, I left Hungary in preparation Mm -hmm. to move to Tbilisi, Georgia with the Bible College. I was very excited starting my 18th year there. And um, I thought, well, let me come back to the States. We're teaching on Zoom. I haven't Mm -hmm. seen my family much in 18 years that I've been on the mission field. And I came to a few places like um, Calvary and Chattanooga. Mm Mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale. Then I went to Honolulu and I was amazed by all that the Lord's doing um, here as well Mm -hmm. as in Europe. And when I got to Honolulu, they said, have you ever considered uh, having this as your headquarters and doing equipping, training and missions from the Pacific Rim Mm. and the pastors there? And I said, no, I actually haven't. And they said, well, pray about it. And I said, well, okay, I'll be here two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then um, as I stayed, um, I met hundreds of people and got to be ministered by them and to them. And we've all been growing in the Lord and relationship. So I contacted the Bible College, which is going to be in Tbilisi, Georgia, September Mm -hmm. 13th. They're starting classes at ccbce.com. They're still taking students if anyone wants to attend at ccbce.com. And I contacted them and I said, what if I teach on Zoom Mm -hmm. this semester too and not go to Georgia? Because there's so much happening here. And they said, Lisa, the Lord is opening doors and calling you. And I said, I know, but I'm scared. I want to stay in the ministry I love. And they said, you're always you're always Mm -hmm. part of our family and part of our teaching team. And you can be connected to us where we are like family. Mm -hmm. And they said, follow the Lord. He's redirecting your steps. And now I'm um, based out of the Pacific Rim. And I've just been at this conference and got um, invitations to come to Arizona and Haiti and Uganda on short-term trips to do equipping and discipleship in many churches. So I think that's what the Lord's doing. See, I, I just love that, that again, it's like, Lord, wherever you want to take me, I'm willing to go. And Lisa, thank you. It's been such a delight to have this time and be able to interview you. And you're definitely a woman worth knowing. And I'm so glad that I know you. And I got this opportunity to introduce others to you. So that was it for this session of Women Worth Knowing. We hope you enjoyed it because we wanted you to know that women worth knowing are walking among us even now. And as Lisa was talking about getting to know people's story and just talking to them, you're going to find out that your neighbor is a woman worth knowing. And she's going to find out that you're a woman worth knowing. So again, if you've got a woman that you want us to know, we'd like you to contact us at wwk at cccm.com let us know their name and maybe a little bit or even tell us your story we'd love to feature it on women worth knowing 
that's uh, Cheryl Broderson saying thank you again for joining us and joining Lisa Collins in this edition of Women Worth Knowing. Until next week, goodbye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.